Welcome to Radio Finance, the podcast that helps you understand the transformative developments taking place in the world today. This is an important conversation with Dushan Stoyanovich, my very good friend, uh, the founder of uh, True Global Ventures. There's a lot happening uh, in decentralization in the crypto space and now in finance, in banking. And uh, Dushan uh, reached out to me and said he sees this as uh, part of the overall trend uh, towards decentralization. Uh, and his theme is that centralization is dead. So Dushan, I want to test a few ideas um, uh, on the back of that comment that you made. Uh, centralization is dead. Firstly, why did you come out with that com- comment? Yes, yeah, so thanks for having me, Emmanuel. And yes, I mean, what we have seen, um, you know, during the last nine months, especially, um, is that there has been um, a, a quite a, a lot of crashes happening around where trust has been lost. Um, we have um, the Terra Luna crash, we had the FTX crash, and more recently, um, we had, as you all know, the problems with the U.S. banks. Now, when we talk about centralization being dead and now comes decentralization, there are three things that we are looking at. Uh, number one, we do still believe that the ultimate best use case for blockchain is Bitcoin. Bitcoin was made after the Lehman Brothers crisis. It was made because Lehman Brothers collapsed. And only now has it been fully stress-tested with the four banks that I mentioned before, when these banks were collapsing or being propped up by the Fed or helped by UBS Interest or Credit Suisse, the Bitcoin price went up from 19,000 to 27,000 during these 10 days. So there was clear flight to the best decentralized user case that we have out there, where it's clear, predictable, where nobody can interfere and there is no risk of too large to, to basically fail. And that actually, you even heard the finance minister of Switzerland claiming that the Lehman Brothers regulations that have happened afterwards are not strong enough to bail out too big uh, to fail. And when you, you see that interventionist, that's when actually Bitcoin goes up. So that, that is a very, very strong user case. The second one that we see is that we've seen a tendency in a flight from centralized exchanges to decentralized exchanges. And it actually same, it's very, very simple. A centralized exchange, they try to show proof of reserves and they have auditors and do you trust the auditors, how they do this proof of reserves. In decentralized exchanges, you can see everything in a very, very transparent way. You don't need any proof of reserves. You see on the chain what's going on. So we see you know, decentralized exchanges and decentralized finance, for that matter, also, you know, gaining from this really fail in terms of trust of centralized organizations. The last piece and the most important one, for us at least, is that you really only own your crypto, your tokens, but you also own the private keys. And that is really the the essence of self-custody. And we have seen a huge impact, which is measurable, especially on how self-custody has been important in all these three cases that I mentioned. And then you have a chart to show that, right? Yes. So what I wanted to share is, you know, a a specific chart that you can see, uh, hopefully now, 
which is actually showing exactly that. And this chart is actually the correlation between one of the self-custody companies called Ledger and their self-custody hardware revenue and the price of gold, ETF gold. And what you see on the chart is that three times, and you can see it nicely correlated, the first time, as mentioned, the Terra Luna crash, where there is a high correlation between hardware revenues of Ledger self-custody, but also other self-custody solutions for that matter, and not only for Ledger. And, and then the second piece, which is the FTX crisis in November, where you have even higher correlation, as you can see in the graph. And then lastly now, with the banking crisis, you see an 81% correlation between hardware self-custody revenues and ETF gold. So for me, that shows that the need for self-custody is very, very correlated to the, for the need of gold, which is an alternative asset, which is especially needed when trust is being lost in centralized organizations. Now, Dushan, your comments are very important to me because uh, in my book, uh, you know, the great transition, uh, the personalization of finance is here. Uh, the trend towards decentralization, self-custody is a very important uh, component uh, of the personalization of finance, where finance is increasingly in the hands of the user uh, and the user decides uh, who he wants to interact with and he can bypass uh, traditional intermediaries. So the, the, the theme that you have put your finger on uh, is very close to my heart, okay? However, in writing my book, um, I also uh, realized uh, the immense power of the intermediaries, uh, especially corporate intermediaries, um, in that when, as technology, you know, sort of evolves towards decentralization, and actually we saw a little bit of this uh, in the days of uh, open source computing. Uh, and today, what is open source computing? Uh, it is now two companies that are owned by Microsoft uh, and IBM. Um, uh, in other words, even when you open source and allow um, users and developers to work with each other, the corporation comes in and, and takes control of the, of the relationship and of the profits being generated uh, in a decentralized universe. So let me ask you this, in the companies that you invest in, what are you seeing in terms of decentralization that your own companies have to respond by creating applications, protocols uh, that favor uh, decentralization? Yeah, so I think there are kind of two answers to that question. So in the case of um, self-custody, and I mentioned, we, we just actually did an investment in, in Ledger of uh, $24 million last week, and it's a company that we followed for 10 years. And so what, what, we, what we see there is that the more traditional players are actually trying to adapt the latest technology, which is uh, Ledger's technology in a hybrid solution. So we do see examples of, for, for example, uh, Nomura um, creating a joint venture with Ledger called Comino, which is a custodian but actually is using the latest technology. So we do see that, which is a hybrid solution. And I actually think that will be successful because I think every solution in the centralized world has to adapt with the latest technology. So yes, I do see 
that that coming up. And I do think Humano is a fantastic solution. I think it's 85% owned by Nomura and roughly 15% by Ledger. And, and the way they've set it up as a custodian and a hybrid solution where it's also using enterprise solution of Ledger, I think is really, really promising. But it does show an adaption that actually Nomura is not doing it on its own. They're doing it through a joint venture. So, so that's one area. I also see another area, um, an exchange called a coin house um, in France, which is regulated, again, using ledger technology to really make sure that their customers feel the, the trust with the latest technology. Um, and they have basically had that almost as a de facto standard for the customers. So I do see that traditional finance is, is coming in, but I would say it's still very slow, to be honest with you, Emmanuel. I mean, these are two examples, but there are, I, I think there will be more because the reality is that they need to upgrade and adapt their solutions to the latest technology. So that's when it comes to finance. Now, if you ask the same question from a metaverse perspective, then the answer is very similar, actually. You know, some organizations wanted to create centralized um, uh, metaverse experiences. And they haven't been as successful as the decentralized. You know, Meta tried, uh, Facebook tried to catch the latest trend. They call it Meta. I would love them to work well. And it's good for the industry that Meta also succeeds um, with their centralized approach. But between yeah. the centralized and the decentralized, the decentralized has been actually working better. So on your question in terms of what we see in our portfolio companies, yes, decentralized we didn't invest into, but it's you know a decentralized metaverse and it works really well. In our own case, we've invested in Sandbox. It's partly decentralized. Yes, it works really well. We, we are showing better numbers than ever uh, during this uh, qu uh, first quarter compared to Q4. And it, it's really showing loads of traction. Uh, and last but not least, we have Animoca, who is a business partner and an investor into other deeds, which actually has showed phenomenal numbers. I think in February only, they had shoot $137 million of trading volume in their decentralized metaverse or partly decentralized metaverse. So what we do see in our portfolio is similar to, to finance, that if you have a decentralized approach, yes, you are more successful than in the centralized approach. Okay. Now, the elements of a decentralized metaverse players, player, uh, what are they? Uh, what would you list out as being the distinguishing features of a decentralized metaverse player? I mean, a decentralized uh, metaverse player is, is basically the, the, the knowledge and the assumption of that those who actually are part of the metaverse, they have some power. Uh, and yeah. they, have, they have some what? governance power. They have some ownership power. So basically, there is normally a foundation piece in it. There is a DAO piece in it. And there is difference governments and there is a difference in terms of ownership. So the incentives for all those who basically join a decentralized metaverse is basically more linked to the, to the players, to the, those who are part of the decentralized, as opposed to generate maximized profits for a centralized organization. That, that is basically the bottom line of it, that their incentives are way better generated both from an economic point of view and from a government's point of view in a decentralized solution. Yeah, but in a, in a centralized solution or a platform or a intermediary, uh, the whole idea is to be able to capture 
the profits, um, you know, in on the intermediary and not in the participants. Uh, but in a decentralized metaverse, uh, what are the operating elements? Interoperability, um, you know, or how do you on-ramp uh, and off-ramp players? Um, you know, the nature of the token or the assets. Uh, what would you, you know, put your finger on that shows me uh, that they are decentralized players? Interoperability is a big word, but yes, that is that is one piece that you know a centralized organization would never agree on because it's basically a shareholder company in a public in publicly quoted company. So interoperability is, is definitely something that is important and that just can't be achieved in 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 other centralized ways. But I, I would still go back to you know, like I said the economic benefits as well, where the client, the customer, is actually having true digital ownership of his and has his and her assets. And, and, and that is way stronger in a decentralized solution than in a centralized solution. Um, and the last piece, yes, there is a governance element. You can actually vote on certain things and decide certain things by having the, your economic um, ownership in a decentralized solution. So it's very, very different from a centralized. And, and, and that's way, way basically what makes those organizations stronger. It's very, very similar um, in a sense to the decentralized user case of Bitcoin. It's more predictable. You know who you have to deal with and you know that, that it will always last. It will always be around because the economic incentives are linked to millions of people's who have built this together as opposed to one single um, CEO or one single leadership. So these are the fundamental differences, Emmanuel. It's interoperability, it's governments, it's true digital ownership. Yeah, and for someone who's an investor in decentralized metaverse players, uh, what is the profit proposition of your players? Where if you say that, uh, that the ownership of the asset and uh, interoperability and uh, and the freedom of um, you know interacting or selecting which platforms they want to utilize uh, belongs to the user um, then what uh, how do your corporations uh, generate their income in an in a decentralized um, um, universe if you think about it it's it's much much better to have a, a very very vibrant strong decentralized world and, and, and that you know works and having a smaller piece of the cake than trying to control something that doesn't work. So it's the same notion of when you invest into a company, why don't you take 90% of a company ownership? Why do you give founders, you know, the large majority and the employees? Yes, because you feel that they will be empowered. So it's a similar way here. You want, uh, you know, the community to be fully empowered. And if you can get a small piece of that, well, it's way better than having a community which is not empowered and you control. So it's the same math as in a traditional investment. The only difference is that when you normally invest, you invest in management in maybe a couple of hundred employees. Here you are empowering millions of users. Okay. In a decentralized ecosystem, in a decentralized universe, which is highly networked, uh, the residual profits uh, to a corporation may be smaller, but it's a residual of a much bigger uh, ecosystem. Is Absolutely. That... 
Absolutely. I mean, we had more than 7,000 simultaneously playing in the Deed in February, um, which is one of Animoca's initiative. It's amazing what's been going on. Um, so, and this is happening, you know, right now. This was end of February. So, yes, this is really what we're seeing. And, and that is, a, 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 you know, a good c- conclusion of where I see at least the benefits, Emmanuel. Dushan, this conversation is important and I want to have uh, a continued conversation with you from time to time uh, on themes like this uh, because it helps us capture the essence of the transitions that are underway. So hang in there. I'll be back uh, to ask you another question at another time. But thank you very much for sharing the insights that come from your own uh, invested assets. Uh, There's nothing like having uh, someone who's an investor uh, point out uh, a comment like uh, the essence of a comment like uh, centralization is dead. Thank you very much. Thank you, Manuel. And thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Radio Finance. For more content, visit the Asian Banker website and follow us on social media.